positive look into my bookshelf, what I'm reading, what's inspired me, and what lessons to take away from it and apply to your own creative business. Hello, hello. Welcome to another week, another book week. And before I get into the book that we're chatting about this week, I just wanted to extend an invitation your way. If you've been enjoying the podcast and if you've been loving what I've been talking about on here, I would really like to invite you to a workshop that I'm running on Thursday, the 1st of June. And it will be taking place at 7pm BST, but replays will be available. It's the bargain price of £5. And in it, I will be leading you through how to find your hobby or creative thing. So if you've been feeling really inspired by what I've been sharing here and you're looking to add more creative self-care into your life on a more practical basis, then, oh my goodness, I would love to have you. I think if you're into the podcast, you'll love it. I've got lots of really fun things to share with you. And yeah, it's just going to be really good. And for £5, it's an absolute bargain if I do say so myself. So I will leave the link in the show notes. Or you can come and follow me on Instagram as well, at Caitlin the Creative, where I will be sharing a lot more about it in the run-up to it, because I'm really excited. I love holding little classes and workshops and stuff like that for people. And yeah, I mean, if you listen to the podcast, I'm sure you will be into it and you will love it. So yeah, hopefully I will see you there. Right, this week's book. We are diving into a wonderful little book that I'd never heard of before and I encountered um, in a bookshop completely by accident. And it actually really, really helped me get really clear on why creativity and creative self-care is so important to me in the first place. It really like cemented and really like confirmed um, a lot of things that I was like thinking about it, that I was feeling about it. Um, and I, yeah, I read it at a point where I was kind of going through my business pivot. So it was a really important book and I'd really love to share it with you. It's called Craftfulness, uh, as in like mindfulness, but with crafting. And it is by Rosemary Davidson and Arzu Tassin. I hope I've said that correctly. So it's called Craftfulness and the subtitle of the book is Mend Yourself by Making Things oh my goodness, if that is not what I'm all about, if that is not what creativity for me is all about, then I don't know what it is. Like, what a beautiful, beautiful phrase. And I think it's something that if we are people who regularly create, we'll see ourselves in that phrase, like we'll really understand the notion of mending ourselves by making things. I just I just love it. Like every time I read it, I'm always like, oh my God, this is this is so good. But as you may have guessed by the title of the book, and as I've already kind of alluded to, this book really delves into the link between our mental health and craft and creativity. And there's so much interesting stuff in there. It ticks the boxes of what like I think really good books on creativity do I think it really balances the the actual creativity notion of it with like actual evidence and actual like studies and things like that so if you are someone who is a bit more practically minded I think you'll find a lot to love in here because there is a lot of references to like studies references to like projects uh real life projects uh out in the wild that have really gone deeper on this link between like 
creating things, making things, being crafty and our mental health. One thing I found really interesting at the start of the book is obviously with books like this, it starts off with a bit of like history and the book takes a little look back at why the arts and crafts movement kind of started in the first place and the book discusses the fact that actually it was born out of rebellion against the industrial revolution where obviously the nature of working changed and you know that's where we see a lot of like nine to five monday to friday style things is like from that time in history I thought this book was published earlier than 2019, but it isn't. It was from 2019. So it goes from the fact that obviously arts and crafts and like crafting and making things with our hands is something that originated from this quite like, like almost like, yeah, no, actually, I was going to say almost like it is. Uh, it came from a time of like political and social rebellion. And nowadays, according to the book, people have this kind of, women's institute granny in a village hall kind of like notion when we think about crafting but actually I think that in recent years I don't think it has that association anymore I I think we get further and further away from it all the time and for me like the perfect example of that and this is what came to mind when I was reading it was you know over lockdown right we you know had all the you know the jokes about making loads of banana bread and uh, things like that but I really think that was like indicative of like a kind of bigger thing of we were stuck at home we had nothing to do you know for a lot of us work was either you know you were either on furlough or you know not as nice circumstances where people were made redundant businesses closed etc etc so obviously a lot more time to work at home and I'm not going to get too deep into this because I think plenty of people have written about this and discussed it um but yeah just the fact that we all collectively seem to engage in hobbies more to engage in the things that bring us joy that are not related to our work and I think that I don't want to say post-pandemic because obviously COVID's still around but post lockdown and things like that I do feel like there is there's still that to an extent I think but like not as heavy as it as it was you know like I said we all joke about banana bread but I actually think like the making of banana bread was um well deeper than that and you may be listening to this and thinking Caitlin it's not that deep uh, banana bread isn't that deep <laughs> in my opinion it is um, um the trend that kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this as well was uh thinking about cottage core. And I don't think cottagecore could have existed had it not been for like the pandemic and lockdown and things like that. I may be wrong. It may have been something that kind of was around before, but I remember it being just all over the place, especially during my very brief uh, foray into TikTok. Never again. It's quite scary. Um, but uh, yeah, cottagecore for me is like the perfect embodiment of how younger generations are like reinterpreting arts and crafts. And not only just like this reinterpretation where they're bringing it into like modern times and putting it forward in a way that makes sense to them with the context that we have now, but also like really throwing it back, like really throwing it back. So, you know, cottage core stuff, we're seeing a lot of like baking, making things, gardening, et cetera, et cetera. 
and all things that I think would have been seen as quite uncool once upon a time. I know that like when I was growing up, it yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a thing. But anyway, big big digression. That was a point where I kind of disagreed with the book just because I I don't I really don't think that we have this like oh you know like crafting is just what like nanas do on like you know down the down the village church or whatever like I think it's way more than that now I think it's really coming back round to that idea that when the arts and crafts started movement started during the industrial revolution and it was a bit of like social rebellion I think we're seeing the same thing now I feel like things like cottagecore things like young people really getting into crochet and really loving it for me that does feel like a really big like middle finger to like capitalist like corporate hustle I feel like even engaging in hobbies and engaging in things like you know doing things just for fun and not to make money is like inherently an anti-capitalist act I feel like it's very yeah like it's a big middle finger to the world of work like work is obviously very different now um but I wonder if the reason that we are all still getting so crafty and I you know you think of shows like Great British Bake Off and stuff which are just as popular overseas as they are here uh i i wonder if that's why we've been still being drawn to things like that is because you know we're kind of acting out that like decades old rebellion against the world of work um and yeah i would also say that actually tying this back into being a business owner or a freelancer or whatever you refer to yourself as i started my own business because I could see the world of work was like not working for me anymore. And I think that is a massive reason why a lot of us come to it is because we're we're rebelling against the status quo, right? We're rebelling against the work has to look like this. You have to make money like this. Oh, you can't make money from being creative. You've got to do something sensible. Attitudes that really sadly, I think are very pervasive still. I still feel like there's a lot of it generally I'm quite lucky the circles I run around in not so much but yeah yeah so the big like and I think this discussion was only like a few pages into the book and I was already like oh my god there's there's so much tied to this like there's so you could get so deep with this so after discussing the kind of the origins of like crafting, how it's seen now, et cetera, et cetera, the book goes on to discuss, and this is something I try and address in my work a lot, that the big barrier to being creative is that the idea of someone being a creative genius still exists and is still peddled a lot. And, you know, I'm sure that if you're listening to this, you know that it's like nonsense. But I think there is, there's definitely still the idea of people doing creativity right and people doing creativity wrong. And I think somewhere along the line as well, once we've got like capitalist and toxic productivity, like factoring into all of it as well, I think it's made our relationship to creativity quite complicated in a lot of ways. Because we know that it brings us joy. We do like we do these things that we love, but then, you know, 
there's a lot of like complicated feelings like society around it I think which stops a lot of us doing it because you know we think about like the education system as like an, a prime example of this and I think there's a there's a really good TED talk um I think I think it is the most watched TED talk and definitely go and watch it because there's lots of really interesting things in there and I think especially if like you're adjacent to like teaching there's a lot of good stuff in there but it's by uh, Ken Robinson about how schools kill creativity and an example I have from like my own personal life on this is that I remember this book unlocked this core memory in me by the way I'd completely forgotten this even happened until I read this book I remember doing a compulsory uh, they call it uh, DT, Design Technology, over here in the UK, if you're listening from elsewhere. And I remember doing, like, sewing in there, and I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is rubbish, like, I don't get it, like, it's hard, like, I don't enjoy it. And you flip to today, and sewing is, like, my favourite thing to do. I think it's magical, I think it's beautiful, I think it's such, like, a glorious way of self-expression. But then I think back to like, you know, 12 year old, 13 year old me who was like, this is pointless. Like, this is stupid. I hate this. It's not, you know, what was I doing at 12, 13? Probably playing a lot of PlayStation games and watching films. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't see the point in it. I thought it was stupid. But yeah, that's, that was a really interesting, like, unlocking of core memory. I think a lot of us have very similar core memories in like the British schooling system particularly I definitely had a lot of feelings around art because I quite liked doing it but I wasn't quote-unquote very good at doing it I couldn't really draw obviously I was lucky my art teacher was quite like untraditional and she was quite um she was very encouraging but I don't think everyone is like that and I still found myself very put off by the fact I couldn't do it right and again, like, fast forward to today, you know, I think that's good evidence, isn't it? But all these, like, weird little experiences that we don't really think of a lot actually have a really massive, profound impact on us later in life, actually. One thing I finally wanted to address talking about this, because I'm aware I have gone on a really, like, deep dive on this, and we haven't even really started talking about the book yet, <laughs> I'm... I don't know, I just find this whole conversation like really, really interesting. Thinking about hobbies and creativity and um, the fact that a lot of us end up monetizing what we love creatively. I do not think there is anything inherently wrong with monetizing a hobby. I know that there's been a bit of, not backlash, but I think there are definitely like two schools of camp, uh, two schools of camp? Two camps of thought on it. And I, I don't think there's anything like inherently wrong with monetizing a hobby, but I do think that we kind of have to examine like why we're doing it and to really keep in touch with what we love about doing it in the first place and remembering that not everything is to be monetized, actually. Um, it's cool to make things money from doing what you love. I think that's really important. I think the more of us that do that, the more of us that model it for other people and it just has like this amazing like endless ripple effect yeah I don't know my thoughts change a lot about it if you'd asked me a few years ago I'd have been like nope 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 never do it never do it I think there is room to do it I think we just have to be um we have to be considerate and full of care when we're thinking about it I guess
Okay, so I've talked around the book for like quite a long time. Let's get into it. So the book is effectively divided into two sections. So the first section is, yeah, discussing um like the the benefits of being crafty and how it links in with mindfulness. And along the way it addresses a lot of things like getting into flow and how good creative flow is for us. And the idea that creative flow is something we have really quick access to when we're children. But obviously as we grow up and as we go through the aforementioned like you know formal education system, we get a lot of it like taken away from us and what we think creativity has to look like changes because obviously we're kind of being primed for the world of work, not primed for the world of like, you know, play and fun. Creative flow is a really precious thing. And it's something that, you know, if you're not sure like what it is to you, it kind of looks different to everybody. But for me, like the very clear, like concrete example it always looks like for me is when you get so stuck in doing something that you forget what the time is and you're kind of like, oh shit, four o'clock already, I've been doing this for hours without even realising. It's just the, you know, for me, it's like any activity which makes me forget I have a phone. That is what creative flow is to me personally. Forgetting I have a phone, forgetting I have like 24-7 access to the outside world. Um, Yeah and how good that is for us. One thing the book talks about at length as well, which I think is really, really important. And again, as we kind of get more into a world where everything is digital, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not here to say technology is bad or good because, you know, it's a nuanced discussion, as is anything similar to that. But it talks a lot in the book about doing stuff with your hands and doing stuff you know, IRL in the real world. And I found that really fascinating because as business owners, especially if we're online business owners, we're using our hands primarily for like typing, scrolling, answering emails or things like that. But when was like the last time that we actually used our hands to make a thing with our hands? This is something I always talk about a lot, but creativity is like, the dust um the journey to the destination but if you get to the destination and you've got something tangible at the end that's really really cool for me there is like nothing that brings me like greater happiness than having made a thing and being able to say to another person another human being look I made this with my own two hands am I comfortable with saying that to people not always But it's something that I think is really important. And I think we've kind of lost. What we build online is like amazing, obviously, you know, like how amazing is it that as freelancers and business owners, we get to make money doing these like wild things that previous generations wouldn't even have heard of or understood, let alone like, you know, imagine like traveling back in time 50 years and explaining to people back then what you did now like it would blow their minds and that is really really cool what is also really really cool is making something practical and tangible with our hands and the mental health benefits that that brings us as well a mental health benefit of doing stuff with your hands which is mentioned in the book and I wrote it down actually in my several pages of notes about this book because I thought it was really interesting 
was that any task that engages your hands gives you a sense of control over your environment. And as a result, it is quite empowering. And I hadn't really thought of it like that before. But obviously, you know, we live in quite a fast-paced world, uh, especially running businesses where things can be really, really tough. And having that sense of control is obviously something that's quite beneficial for us because it kind of reminds us, I guess, that no matter how stressful or difficult things get, we can always return to the things that make us feel good and the things that, yeah, the things that really like bring us joy and creative flow and that meditative effect, which is another benefit of practising craftfulness. Um, The fact that it connects mind and body, resulting in that kind of meditative like flow state um you know like connection with ourselves and the connection with ourselves is something that I to be honest I've shied away from talking about sometimes with my work because I think it's quite a difficult thing to explain to people but I think it's something we've all felt um quite deeply the fact that we're getting in touch with our own self-expression and what is living up in our brain and like bringing it forward into the world. Not to mention that a lot of the creative activities we engage with are quite repetitive by nature. And obviously when things are like quite repetitive, obviously it does bring us to that flow state because we're kind of almost like switching that part of our brain off that is like concentrating and bringing us to that elusive and uh, wonderful flow state that we all uh, talk about and think about. You think about things like colouring in, you know, crochet, knitting, uh, you know, things that require a degree of concentration, but not too much concentration, and also have that element of like repetitiveness to them that obviously brings us to that flow state and that brings us to like the meditative, um, like relaxed state, you know, it like starts to regulate our mood, starts to bring like our heart rate down um, and has all those like lovely benefits. Something else I want to address, which again is something I try and address in my work a lot, but it's something that the book talks about really beautifully, I think, is obviously, so we know that doing the thing is good for us, right? And we know that practicing creativity and crafting and making things is really good for us. But what about challenging the notion that we have to be good at it? And this is what I'm always saying, and I'll say it again, but creativity starts with doing things small things over and over again I shared a really uh, fun graphic from uh, the amazing Lisa Congdon who is a fantastic artist I really love her work and she wrote a really amazing book which I will probably talk about at some point Um, but she shared a graphic on basically like you know how you get more creative and like nine out of the ten steps were practicing So yeah, doing the thing and doing it over and over and over again is how we get more creative. And the idea that creativity like breeds creativity, the more the more we do it and the more we practice it, the you know, the more the more naturally we will have in our lives. We make tiny decisions to be creative every day. And that is taken directly from the craftfulness book. And I think that's a really important thing to bear in mind when we're embarking on like any 
you know, whether it's for fun, whether it's for work, whether it's for anything, but we are always making those decisions to be creative when we're prioritizing something that's just for fun. That is a decision to be more creative. And those decisions all add up and they all snowball and it turns us into creative people, even though I think we are all creative people in our own way. But obviously, the more we practice it, the more the easier it is to get in tune with it, the easier it is to get in touch with flow state. And that has such like an amazing effect on like everything else in our lives. Because if we're feeling like calm and chill and in charge of our emotions, and we're getting like constant ideas and we're taking the time out to relax, then obviously it's gonna have an effect on other stuff. That's why I'm talking to you as a business owner, to other business owners, because I've seen the benefit firsthand when we go off and do something fun that we love to do. It really does have that amazing impact on our mental health and our like, you know, it fills the inspiration tanks, it like fills our like self-care cup, it like does all these brilliant things. Okay, I could talk about this book forever because actually <laughs> I'd uh, weirdly enough, I'd kind of forgotten how much I loved this book until I went back to all my notes and I was like, oh my goodness, like this is this is actually really, really good. So the first section of the book, like I said, it kind of delves really deep into the uh the psychological stuff, the physiological stuff around crafting um and the links between mindfulness, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But in the second section of the book which is uh quite a bit shorter I think if I remember rightly is actually talking you through some creative projects now this is a problem I have with the book some of the projects it recommends are like not that accessible so it talks a lot about things like you know pottery and book binding and things like that which are fantastic don't get me wrong but they can be very difficult things to practice at home with limited equipment. For example, I remember looking at the bookbinding thing just kind of out of idle curiosity and thinking, oh goodness, I've heard a lot about that, but I've never done it myself. Maybe that would be a fun thing to try. But it was a little bit prohibitive in terms of like stuff it was recommending and things like that. And yeah, I don't know. I... I I'm not sure how much you can talk about small acts of creativity every day and also be like well we need to tackle this big grand thing that will cost you money where you know where it's not necessarily as accessible but those are like the only parts of the book I was a bit like that I love I love it but this this isn't it I think we can access creativity through anything we have at our disposal we don't need to spend a lot of money doing it we don't need like you know a trip to like a specialist uh you know shop in the middle of nowhere because not only is it I don't know I have I have feelings on this just because I think that we don't need to spend a lot of money like doing things that make us feel good we have everything around us that we need like right now in this moment and that is okay, and that is correct, and that is how it should be. We do not need to invest lots of money in a craft or a hobby that we may only pick up once and never again, because I know I certainly have done that. I did the clay earring making thing over lockdown, hated it, um, didn't like it. And 
I didn't spend a lot of money on it, but I spent enough money where I was like, well, I've got all this stuff now. It kind of just feels like a waste. And it isn't a waste because we all learn stuff from it, right? But, you know, I don't always necessarily agree with the notion that we have to like go out and like learn a new thing in order to be more creative, actually. And uh, bringing it back to the Hobby Finder workshop that I'm running very soon, that is a notion I want to challenge in there as well and say that constantly looking for the shiny thing, constantly looking at inspiration is like one of the most unhelpful things we can do for our creativity sometimes because if we're looking and it's all chill and good, awesome. But if we're looking and kind of using that as like another barometer to like measure ourselves against, then I think it's quite damaging. I know that like I certainly have got stuck in, I need I need to do a thing. I'm going to go on Pinterest for a bit and try and find some inspiration. And then it's two hours later and I've made like nine boards, but I haven't actually done anything. Pinterest is a creative practice. I will, uh, that's the hill, one of the many hills I will die on. But I think if we're doing that all the time and not actually doing anything, then I'm not actually sure how helpful it is. And it means we kind of just perpetuate the shiny thing syndrome, like always. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But when it's stopping us from doing something that's maybe better for us and is more practical based, then um, yeah, it's not, it's not ideal. But I digress. Some of the projects that are discussed in the book are really good. There was a good knitting one, if I remember rightly. Um, but I would have really loved to have seen some more accessible things. Like, I don't know, maybe journaling prompts is always one I return to because I think literally anyone can use those because all you need is a method to write stuff down with. And I think we all would have access to that. But yeah, something that maybe challenges the more crafting as something for like privileged people I think I what I've brought up there is quite complex and quite complicated and I'm regretting bringing this up half an hour into recording this <laughs> but yeah that's that's definitely something to think about that that was like the only part of the book I think where I kind of thought oh it would have been such an amazing opportunity to just really like give something really practical and really like something that anyone can do that something that you know you can pick the book you put the book down go around your house and like find stuff to do to actually practice the craftfulness um but yeah overall though this book's fantastic and it really made me think and I think on reflection because I read this last year like I said when I was kind of going through my business pivot yeah, I read it at quite a formative time for like my new like thing in business. And I think it really helped me like get really clear on like why I talk about creativity and creative self-care a lot and how important it is for all of us. Obviously, this is lens of uh, business owners, but um, yeah, but important for everybody. I think everyone, everyone should have a hobby. I'm always saying this and I will say it again. So I'm going to wrap it up there because I've talked for quite a long time. Um, no no regrets. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I hope that it encourages you to check out the book. And if you have any thoughts on like craftfulness or the link between crafting and mindfulness and you want to share those thoughts with me, please do. I would love to, to chat to you. You can reach me on Instagram at CaitlinTheCreative or send me an email. Hello at CaitlinTheCreative.co.uk 
And yeah, uh, I mentioned it at the top of the show and briefly during as well, but just another plug for my Hobby Finder workshop, which is happening Thursday, June the 1st, 7pm BST um, at the bargain price of five of your English pounds. And you can buy that from my website right now. Replays are available as well. So if you can't make it on the day or um, or you're in a different time zone or anything like that, then yeah, please purchase because you will still get a uh, a recording of the workshop after and a chance to um yeah ask me any question you like right let's leave it there i've been talking for almost 35 minutes and um yeah i need to go and drink some water thank you so much for tuning in today i am loving doing this every single week and i hope you're enjoying it too it's been really really fun uh next week i will be talking about boredom and creativity and how the two are intrinsically linked so we'll be talking about, uh, and I'll be sharing my, um, if I was ever running for president, this would be my uh, my slogan. But you'll have to t- uh, tune in next week to hear that. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for listening. Leave me a review. Subscribe, share with a pal, and I'll catch you next week.